want to greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful to everyone that's here today. Um, we look forward to sharing with you the things that the Lord has laid on my heart to share. Today, if the Lord say the same, uh, we're going to we're going to talk about uh, something that um, a lot of people uh, don't want to admit that they are dealing with, and especially on the level that they may be dealing with it. And uh, we want to make sure that um, we have a better understanding of the things that may not be pleasing to the Lord and the things that um, of this particular issue. Uh, we want to make sure we understand all levels of it so that we can be uh, helped with it. We have, <coughs> we have uh, talked about this before, um, but we'll talk about it again just from a different uh, perspective. And my prayer is that this will really, really, um, really, really help to set us free um, from this. So today we're going to talk about anger. And of course, a lot of times uh, people don't want to admit that they have anger, but it shows up in their lives all the time. Um, so if you have your Bibles, let's go to the seventh chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's go to the seventh chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, um, years ago, my wife and I, we have shared this before. And uh, so, but I want to, with you all, but I want to share this again uh, to give you an understanding of this beast that's called anger. And <laughs> I can't remember what it was uh, our youngest daughter had done. I can't remember what it was now. But I remember my wife, she wanted to whip her. I think at that time, uh, the, our daughter, she may have been 15 or something like that. And whatever it was that she had done, she needed to be whipped. I, I can't remember now. Do you remember what it was? It was, it was some kind of disrespect. And so she, had this, she, she, she needed to be whipped. But I, I told my wife, I said, uh, now, I know she needs to be whipped. I said, but the spirit that you're in now, it's not going to accomplish anything. It's not going to work righteousness at all. I said, you're going to have to calm down because the Bible says that the rod of our anger will fail. That, which means if you whoop a child out of anger, they won't get why you're whooping them. They'll think you're just upset. They, they will not correlate this is because of what I've done, but in their minds, it will be because you are upset. So I said, you know, the, the rod of your anger will fail. I said, so you, you need to get in the right spirit. You need to 
it needs to be about her soul and you correcting her and putting her on the right path versus you being offended at what she did. And so she was hot. I remember she was sitting in our bedroom. I mean, huffing. I was laying down just as calm as I wanted to be. And she was sitting, you know, and I, I tell people, you know, <laughs> when I'm a, around them, when you're angry, you need to sit down somewhere. Sit down, you know, you know, we had a, a, my, uh, old, my oldest biological daughter, she dealt with that anger the same way I did. And, and I've seen her, when she's angry, she's pacing back and forth, pacing back. And I said, sit down, that ain't, the devil's working you up, sit down. You know, you, you know, it's people in jail today that's been there for longer than some of you have been alive because of one act of anger. One act of anger. And so, you know, we're in the bedroom, and uh, I'm laying down in the bed. My wife, she's sitting on the, on the recliner in there, and she's got the belt across her lap. And she's just determined, uh, you know. And I'm sure in her mind at that time, she probably thought I was taken up for. Now, I believe in whooping the devil. Does everybody understand that? I, I don't nobody believe that more than me. <laughs> but I believe if you're going to accomplish something, it has to be done in the right spirit. When God corrects us, he corrects us because he loves us, not because you've upset him and got on his nerves. You can't get on God's nerves when he already knows what you're going to do. So nothing catches him off guard. And so, you know, I was talking to her, and I was telling her, you know, you're going to you're gonna have to let that go. But see, the issue was, for her at that time, I was disrespected. I was disrespected. Okay, yeah, I understand that. But what does God see? Spanking a child has to be about what God sees about it. Not about the parent. It has to be about what does God think about it. You know, as believers, we point our children to the Lord. Sweetheart, this is why I'm going to have to spank you. Because God was not pleased with what you did. You know, and when our children were little, I used to ask them, I say, so what do you think? Now, according to the word, this is what the word says, and this is what you did. So according to the word, what should I do for you? Well, I mean, okay, we'll turn around, assume the position. You know what time it is. See, you pronounce it on yourself. Because <laughs> it goes over better when they know I did it and I deserve what I'm about to get. You see that? But if, if it's anger there, you're angry. You take God out of, the, out of the equation. It's no more about what God did, especially to the child. It's, okay, so this has nothing to do with the Bible. This has to do with you, you see. And so, um, I mean, I, I must have talked to her for about an hour to try to calm her down. You know, you can't calm people down when they don't want to be calmed down. And I took her to the scripture what we're about to read now. Let's read that now, the seventh chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to start reading at verse 8. It says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. We'll get back to that. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Everybody see that? And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So let's think about this. The patient in spirit, somebody that's patient in their spirit man, it, it takes a long time for them to get angry. But somebody, listen, and you, and, and you would think the opposite of patient 
would be short-tempered or sharp. But look at what it says, the proud in spirit. The patient in spirit is what? Better than what? The proud in spirit. So, brothers and sisters, for people to have anger, there has to be pride there. Does everybody understand that now? So let's go and keep reading now. This is the scripture that I read to her. Verse 9, be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. So part of that hastiness, you know, sometimes people walk around on, on 10 already. They walk around that way. You know, we used to say when we were out in the world, that with a chip on their shoulder. Now, I would explained that before, but i would explain it again for those of you who weren't here when I explained it. Uh, when I was growing up and uh, young people wanted to fight, you know, and they were pumping themselves up to fight, they would, you know, they come, come up with all kinds of stuff. They take their foot and draw sand and uh, draw a line in the dirt and say, cross this line. Oh, okay, so, yeah, well, then cross this line. Okay, so you crossing lines, so let me see what else I can do. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna take this stick, I'm gonna put it on my shoulder, knock the stick off my shoulder. How many of you ever done that? You know, that's your clue, folks don't wanna fight. And you had a whole crowd of other little silly people standing around. Ooh, he knocked the chip off. He knocked the, the stick off your shoulder. Were you going to let him get away with that? And so people, they could walk around with that stick on their shoulder. Already halfway in the fight. Don't have anything in their hearts against the people that they're around. It's just, I got a stick on my shoulder. In other words, I have a chip on my shoulder, and I dare you to walk past me far, fast enough for the wind to knock it off my shoulder. You ain't got to knock it off. Just walk past me too fast. So they, they, they have fight on the inside of them. And you know, that's a very, very unhappy individual when everything is a fight, when just anything can upset you. Anything can offend you. you. You can't live in the joy of the Lord walking around always ready to fight, always got anger on his. And I'm telling you, that's what anger is. Look at what that says there. Verse 9, be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. In other words, so for that to take place, look at what that says. Don't be quick. Don't be quick to run to anger. For me to be quick to run to anger, you know what I have to have? Self-entitlement. I have to believe that somebody owed me something. Some of us can't stand to be disrespected. We have our circle drawn around us of how we expect people to act around us. And anything that's less than our expectations can have some of this spirit of anger that we have. One thing I know 
is that if we accept the word of God and what it says, we won't have that chip on our shoulder. Jesus said, if they've called your master, Beelzebub, then what do you think they're going to, how do you think they're going to treat you? And you're the servant. He's telling us, don't expect any better treatment than what I got. So if you really belong to me, and they're calling me the Lord of the flies, the Lord of demons, in other words, what do you think they're going to, how do you think they're going to treat you? But if we have anger, it's because we are self-entitled. And we think we deserve better than Jesus Christ got. Does anybody see now? Look what it says. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. In other words, there are sometimes people have anger queued up. Have it queued up. I, I, I put it this way. Some of us in here, we have guns. We have rifles. And, you know, if we have them, most of the time we're going to keep them unloaded until we're ready to use them to go out and hunt or whatever it is we do. So we have rifles and guns we hunt with and we don't load them up. In other words, we don't put ammunition in them until we are ready to use them. But sometimes people don't do that. They keep guns loaded and they keep them readily accessible to them. And so all it takes is to hear a little noise outside. And they immediately go get the gun. They don't have to take time. So what they do is they shorten the distance in their thought process. Now we go back to verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. What does that mean? What does that have to do with anger? Anger needs your hastiness to come to fruition. So if my gun is always loaded, then I'm always ready to make bad decisions. Because I'm, I live at the beginning of things. But if my gun is unloaded, I have time to think about, do I need to load it? I have time to think about the motives of people. They didn't mean to knock that stick off my shoulder. They were just in a hurry to get to their car. They didn't, they, they didn't bump into me to challenge me. What they said, they weren't, they weren't saying that to be spiteful or, or to be hateful towards me. They were just trying to help me. So if I'm not hasty, if I put distance, in other words, if I make it a habit to keep my gun unloaded, then I have time to think before I act. I have time to assess the situation. That's why the Bible says better is the end of a thing. In other words, that situation becomes better and you become more reasonable about it the longer you think about it. And then at the end of the day, you have a spiritual mind. Yes, they did hit me on purpose. Yes, they did knock the stick off my shoulder. But they are possessed. And I'm being tested. 
and I'm going to pass this test. Does anybody see that now? So look at what it says in verse 9. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. For anger, what does it do? It rests in the bosom of who? Fools. This is the scripture, scripture that I read to my wife that night. You know what the Bible says? Yeah, get your Bible. So she got her Bible. All right, you read it. Make sure your Bible says the same thing mine's saying. <laughs> Be not hasty. <laughs> So she read the scripture, be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger rested in the bosom of fools. I said, I'm watching you purposely hold on to this anger. I'm watching you purposely allow that anger to rest in you. I said, so what does that make you? A fool. I said, so well, you need to get over it. So we did our little Bible study, and I went to sleep. I woke up the next day and she was just as happy. You know, going to, going, to just going to the store, praising God all the way to the store, praising God all the way back home. And hey, sweetheart, what do you want to eat? You know, I got you. You know, you know I love me some of you and I love the way you minister to me and you know what, and what you want to. I said, okay, I'll take this, this, and this, and shoot. It seemed like you done come out of it. But then that day, before the day was over with, that same daughter walked into the kitchen. She had did something that she was told not to do. And the next thing I knew was my wife had my daughter jacked up against the wall, had walked her from the kitchen to the living room and, jack and had her jacked up against the wall. Now we had church folks sitting there <laughs> and I was thinking, Lord, I hope I have a church after this. Because everybody don't understand the struggle, we, the demonic oppression that we're trying to cast out here. They just, you know. So she was upset, so, you know, she had jacked up against the wall and basically told her, you're not going to disrespect me. And, uh, you know, and so I, we got her calmed down. I walked her down to the room. The same room, sat on the bed with I said, this is what I was telling you about. We can deceive ourselves. And we can, that's, that's the reason why anger has to rest there. See, when, when you allow anger to rest, it's done planted a seed there. And it don't care how long you worship God, how many meals you cook. It don't care about how you think you done moved on with life. It's going to jack somebody up later on. Does everybody understand that? We had to pay for that. For six months. You know, at some point, now you just had to know how my daughter was at the time. She went to school, you know, and within the next couple of days or so, I can't remember how long it was, it might have been a week later, I get a call uh, <laughs> from the hospital saying that my daughter is up there 
because she passed out in school because she was abused. We beat her from the, from the kitchen to the living room and then from the living room to the bedroom and all the church folks was there watching and nobody jumped in to help. You know, she had an imagination and people don't care. You know, <laughs> what kind of preacher you are, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> it's like, if somebody file a report, that's it. You're gonna have to go to court and prove it. So for six months, was it a six months? For six months, we are in and out of court. And we had, she had some attorneys that were trying to crucify us. And, one, and her attorney herself was a minister. Well, ma'am, you ought to know how children can be. Yeah, but you ain't got no business, you know. Well, we did, first of all, none of that happened. Well, this girl ain't got to lie on y'all. Okay. So we had an investigator come by the house. And I invited her downstairs. And I was talking with her. And she's like, well, Mr. Bowling, you know, of course, I understand what you're saying. You know, I need to get your side of the story and things you said. She said, it'll all work out. You know, don't be, don't, you know, you don't have to be bothered by this. It'll all work out. I said, ma'am, you don't even, you have no business even being in my house. I said, you shouldn't even be here. It ain't, it's not a matter of it all working out. That, that don't equal me not going to court. I still got to go to court behind the foolishness. And she said, you know, Mr. Bowden, I was just at a man's house, and he, another person's house, and they told me the same thing. I don't even have any business being in their house. And not being rude, but the idea was you wouldn't even be sitting here if it wasn't for a lie. So later on, my youngest daughter, she almost got saved. We're sitting in a meeting with these people, you know, because we had not just court, we had to go to all these meetings. If y'all just understood the foolishness and how the system treat children, children, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Because the same system that my daughter was trying to work on her behalf, they took her children from her. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Does everybody understand that now? And so I, you know, <laughs> we're sitting in there, and, and I imagine my youngest daughter, she was tired of going to court too. So she just said, you know, now we're in a meeting, in a board meeting with all these people, and she said, you know, I'm about to end all this. I lied. I just, I just told a lie. We just, my wife and I, we just looked at each other. And the, the attorneys, they were upset. What is wrong with you? Why are you dragging your parents through this? But you know what? They still tried to prosecute. They said, y'all talked her into saying that she lied. So in and out of court. In and out of court for six months. Having to pay $10 every time we parked across the street from the courtroom. And eventually it all came out in the wash. But you know what started it? Anger rests in the bosom of fools. Do they understand that now? That's what started it. Anger rests in the bosom of fools.
So, how many of you ever played that game when you were growing up, hot potato? So what's the object of a game, of the game? You can't hold on to it long. Why? Because it's a hot potato. It's supposed to be. Now, we didn't have any real hot potatoes. Those were getting eaten. So we had a little ball or a sock or something. We'd throw it, and then you had to hurry up and act like it was hot and throw it off. That's how you treat anger. The Bible says, be ye angry and do what? In other words, don't hold on to it. Treat that anger like a hot potato that's going to burn you. It's going to burn you. Not the person next to you. It's designed to burn you. Does everybody see that now? So let me tell my own story. You know, and so sometimes we could think, well, I'm the type of person, you know, folks ain't really done anything against me. I want to share with you a very strange story of where I picked up anger from. I was about eight years old, and uh, I had a, a cousin of mine who I looked up to like she was a big sister. She would come stay with us in the summertime, and uh, I felt like we had a really close relationship. She was a big sister to me, like a big sister that I never had. And uh, I remember, I mean, I really, really looked up to her. And I remember one time we went to visit them on their side of Louisiana. And one of my male cousins um, was telling me how this, she was a young lady, I guess she was about 16 or 17, was telling me how she, she had lost her virginity. She was no longer a virgin. And I'm telling you, that did something to me. That did something to me. And I remember I was in the car with my Aunt Terry, with my auntie, and we went to pick her up. I was sitting in the, in the, uh, in the I think I was sitting in the front seat, and we went to pick her up from somewhere, and she got in the back seat. And I remember when I saw her, all that just rose up on the inside of me, you know, as if she owed me something, see. And I remember when she got in the car, I slammed the door as hard as I could. And I remember my aunt, she, she looked at me, she said, boy, what's wrong with you? And of course, I couldn't tell her what I was upset about. That might have been silly to her. But that's the first time I remember having anger. And I'm saying this to say, it don't, the offense don't have to be against you to pick it up. What really brings about anger is disappointment. Does everybody understand that now? Disappointment, listen, that refuse to be forgiven. I was disappointed. And I felt like, I can't let this, you done let me down. I, I can't let this go. So let's think about this. Anger also isn't something that's always seen. There's a misconception that you don't have anger if you ain't tearing up furniture. Or you're not slamming cabinet doors. But I'm going to tell you, that anger is something else. It's not always seen. Sometimes, and look at what this says. The Bible says <laughs> that anger rests where? 
Where at? In the bosom of fools. It's not always seen. Naturally so. But I tell you what happens. That individual that's mastered the concept of not displaying anger, that turns into bitterness. And they become mean-spirited. And they become hateful. And they become malicious. People walk around with anger. And when they, when they walk around with that anger, they have to figure out ways to get it out. And so they walk around, and the devil is constantly giving them ideas of how they can display it. Because, see, anger, it won't to be seen. Nobody is just going to sit on it. People have a way of letting you know that they are disappointed and that they are displeased. And so then they come up with little ways. Oftentimes, it's shown in passive-aggressive behavior. I'm going to do little quirky stuff here and there, and you're not going to even catch it. But I'm really try just trying to get under your skin. Why? Because anger likes to be passed on. Does everybody see that now? And so oftentimes, <laughs> when you're around somebody that's anger, you will often wonder, what is wrong with you? Okay, I guess you're just having a bad day. You slammed the car door. I asked you a question and you snapped at me. And what happens with anger is, is people, they get a million miles away from the original thing. But they still act out 10, 20, 30 years later what made them upset years ago. And you can ask them, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Ain't nothing wrong with me. What's wrong with you? Just as snappy as they want to be. Listen, anger, it, it, when I was growing up, there were old people sitting on their porch not wanting you to walk on their grass. We had a man up the street that lived up the street from us. He had a, a big apple tree. And the apple tree was right on the, right on the, on the um, border of his property. And, they, and the apples and the tree, the limbs hung over into the street. And we were asking, Mr. Mr. Williams, can we get No, you can't get no apple. And you pass by a few months later, the apples all dried up, worms eating them up on the ground. Ain't nobody picked the apple out of the tree. But you just better not get none. And this man sat on his porch with a BB gun. Not just with BBs, but rock salt in it. I'm hoping this rock salt, and you know what salt does to the wounds. You know, if it enters into your skin, it's going to sting. So, yeah, just try. Try to get them apples before the worms get them, see what happens. And I used to think, man, this, what in the world's wrong with people? I tell you what's wrong. Something happened years ago. 
that they were too immature to talk about. And pride wouldn't let them admit. And see, that's the issue with anger. Pride does not want people to admit, you know what, something bothered me. You hurt my feelings. Does everybody see that now? So that anger, it rests in the bosom of fools. Everybody see that? Does everybody understand what that means there? Where's our bosom at? In our midsection, right? That means it's not always coming up. But it rests there. And all it takes is for somebody to rub you the wrong way, and it's going to come up. And then when the situation is over, it's going to go back down in the bosom and rest some more, waiting for the next victim. And then, and then when the next person come along who didn't treat me the way I thought I should be treated, it's going to come up again. And then when that situation is squashed, it's going to go back down. God don't intend for us to walk around with anger in our bosom. And it, does everybody see that now? The Bible says it rests in the anger. It, anger rests in the bosom of fools. Anger is like a fire that burns everything in, in its path. What does a fire need? A fire needs three things to survive. Fuel, a spark, and oxygen. It needs fuel, it needs a spark, in other words, something to spark that fuel, and it needs oxygen. Anger needs fuel. In other words, what's the fuel? Justification. I'm justified. I'm right to be angry. Does everybody see that now? The spark is the reason you walked past me and you did it too fast and you knocked this chip off of my shoulder. The oxygen is self-entitlement that won't let it go. And in other words, after the fire has been set and started, the only thing that's needed now is oxygen. Let's just, we can keep the fire going. What keeps the fire going? Self-entitlement. I will not forgive. I will not let this go. But why? Because justification started it to begin with. I'm justified in it. Let's go to the 19th chapter of the book of Proverbs. And we're going to start reading <laughs> we'll start reading at verse 10. Verse 10, the 19th chapter of the book of Proverbs, we'll start reading at verse 10. It says, Delight is not seemly. For a fool, much less for a servant to have rule over princes. Verse 11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. So I wanted to read those two together because I wanted you to see that verse 10 and 11 have everything to do with each other. So let's go back to verse 10 since you know we're still talking about anger. Verse 10. Delight is not seemly for who? 
Now, didn't we just read in the book of Ecclesiastes? What kind of person does anger rest in their bosom? A fool. And so then that same person who has anger resting in their bosom is very hard for them to have joy. They don't like to be in good, happy atmospheres because that anger might start dissolving. So they can't be around too much laughter. Can't be around too much joy. Can't be around that don't like happy people at all. What are you smiling? What's wrong with you? Why are you always happy? And those kind of people, they, they just assume ain't nobody, ain't that, ain't that much happiness in the world. You faking all that laughing you're doing. I don't like all that. <laughs> Everybody see that now. Now you can get on away from here trying to make me happy. <laughs> I just refuse. So let's see that. Delight is not seemly for a fool. <laughs> I don't want to be happy. Much less for a servant to have rule over princes. Verse 11, the discretion of a man deferred his anger. Everybody see that? What is discretion? The definition of discretion is the freedom to decide what should be done in a particular situation. The freedom to decide what should be done in a particular situation. Everybody see that? Is that in your Bible? The freedom, it is the freedom, discretion is the, is the freedom to decide. But if I don't have discretion, listen, I am no longer free to decide. My anger decides for me. I've lost the ability to make sound decisions and righteous judgment because my anger takes over. And I just do whatever I feel like doing. I'll just ask for forgiveness and apologize later. But for now, I'm justified. For now, this is the way I feel. And, and people that deal with anger, they have no, no idea at all that they are bound. You can't even, as grown as you want to be, you can't even make righteous decisions. You lose the ability to make decisions. Because of your anger. You're not free. You, you don't have enough space in between zero and 100 to think about what you're about to do and what it's going to cost you. Because that's the thing about anger, brothers and sisters. It destroys relationships. It destroys everything in its path. Does everybody understand that? The Bible says the wrath of man worketh now, not the righteousness of God. If, if you have anger on the inside of you, it, the righteousness of God won't come. It, it, there's nothing righteous that can come out of that. So let's think about it this way. When somebody is dealing with anger, they speed the devil's plans up. What would have taken the devil years and years to put into play through the cooperation of several people, 
to destroy relationships and to do damage in your life, your anger and your participation in anger, it speeds his plan up for your life. It destroys stuff in a second. People have had good relationships and, and let one bout of anger just completely destroy it. The devil was working on another plan. Let me get some infidelity in here. Let me get some, some ways for you not to trust. And, and so infidelity, I got, to, I got to get some other volunteers to, to participate. I, I got to cause them to argue with their spouse. I got to do this. I got, he, got all, he got to work all kind of stuff in. What would have taken them five year, years took you five minutes. <laughs> and he just, oh, well, thank you. Thank you, because I, I was sweating. I didn't know if I was going to get you or not. Does everybody see that? So look what it says. The discretion of a man, what does it do? It deferreth his anger. In other words, it puts it off, and it is his glory to do what? To pass over a transgression. Well, we get our turn from get over it. It is to your discretion to get over it. Get over it. And, and that is what's needed for anger, to not get over it. No, I will not. They owe me. Now, here's the thing about it. Anger, that debt will never be paid. I say it will never be paid. When somebody's dealing with anger, it rests in, the, in their bosom. Years later, the folks that's done made your anger, they done died off, done went wherever they gone for eternity, and you still walking around making other people pay for it. And at some point, somebody going to sit you down and tell you, don't nobody owe you anything. Get over yourself. You don't have a right to be angry. Did everybody see that now? Let's go. Let's go look at it. Let's go look at another scripture here. Let's go to the 20th chapter of the book of Numbers. I want to show you what it looks like and what it will do for you. 20th chapter of the book of Numbers. Let's try to hurry up and get through this so you all can see here what the Lord is saying to us. A lot of us have dealt with anger because of our self-entitlement, because of our disappointment, and we really, really feel like I have a right to be angry. Do you know anger make people? <laughs> Somebody can have adultery committed on them and their anger will drive them right into committing adultery themselves. Anger will make you do things you hate. The very thing that you got upset about, you'll be out there doing it. Why? Because I'm justified. I'm justified. People in prison were justified as well. That man stepped on my shoes. I had a right to take his life. He looked at me wrong. He disrespected my wife. I had a right to take his life. And then the judge said, and I got a right to sentence you to life in prison. And what did that righteous judge say? I have a right to sentence you to hell for an eternity because you couldn't forgive. 
because you couldn't let go of it. Brothers and sisters, we got to get over it. I don't care what kind of disappointments you had in your life. Be an adult and talk about it and get over it. Does everybody understand that? Oftentimes, people don't want to talk about it because they don't want to get over it. Why? Because I got a right to be hurt. I have a right to be bitter. I'm telling you, how many of you have ever thrown up in your life? Did you want to hold on to it? Isn't it something just deep down on the inside of you when your stomach is upset and you know it's just, you know, I mean, when you really have a bout of it, when your whole body heats up and you start sweating right before you throw up, you, you know, thank you, Lord, this is about to come out. This, whatever this demon is, it's coming out. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for your flesh to have more sense than your spirit man. If your flesh can't handle bitterness, sure enough, your spirit man can't. Now, I want you to imagine, what if in your flesh, your body wanted to throw up, but you held on to it? See where anger rests there, in the bosom of a fool. But you know, so when I suppress that food that's supposed to come out because of the bitterness that's mixed with it, and then what happens? I live my life, and I try to continue to eat. What am I doing? I'm just adding on to more of it. I I'm mixing what was pure with bitterness, which makes it bitter. So most of the time, see, when we have eaten something bitter, we don't want to put nothing else in there. This, this all need to come out so that my body can function the way it's supposed to function, so that I can take the nutrients in that I'm supposed to take in. And listen, brothers and sisters, when we have bitter, we can't, bitterness in our hearts and our souls, we can't take God's word the way we're supposed to take it. Everything is filtered through hurt. Bitter people will hear this message and say, well, you didn't have to, you didn't have to preach that way. Yeah, I know you know something about me, except I don't. <laughs> Does everybody see that now? So it, it miscalculates everything. Anger miscalculates everything. And I'm going to tell you, ultimately what bitterness and anger is designed to do is designed to make you the lonely old soul sitting on your porch with a BB gun that don't like nobody is designed to keep you lonely. Why? Because if I'm angry and everybody that's passing by me is knocking the chip off my shoulder, then all of a sudden I don't like people. Because people will let you down. Okay, so, and you people. You're not a frog. <laughs> so haven't you let some people down? Why you sit there and act like you ain't never disappointed somebody? You the only one in the world that ain't never done nothing. <laughs> Does everybody see that now? <laughs> All right, let's read this. Everybody there, the 20th chapter of the book of Numbers. All right, start reading in verse 1. 
Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses. Everybody see that? That means they, they, they argued with him and fussed at him. With Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? Is it no place of seed? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or, or of pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. Anybody see that now? And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and they fell upon their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them and the Lord spake unto Moses saying take the rod and gather thou the assembly together thou and Aaron thy brother and do what speak ye unto the rock where before their eyes and it shall give forth its, his water what kind of water what kind of water why was the rock referred to as a he? Because the word of God says that that rock was Jesus Christ. And no matter where they were in the wilderness, that rock supernaturally followed them. Everybody see that? And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod, he spoke to the rock. He smote the rock how many times? Now here's, here's the thing, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. You know why and what's wrong with people today that's got anger and they're justified in it? They think, because they have survived so long in it, that it's working for them. They think because they smiting stuff, and, and they getting some results, that is working for them. I've been angry, angry for a long time. And with my anger, I'm able to manipulate situations. When people know I'm angry and upset and I can go off at any moment, they won't mess with me. So it's working. It's, it's working. People know I ain't the one to fool with because I'll put you in your place. It's working. That's what Moses thought. I can disobey God in front of these people and it'll work. But did it work? Let's keep reading now. Let's see if it worked. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Everybody see that? Now, brothers and sisters, don't call yourself a Christian. Don't let nobody know you're a believer and you can go off on them. You keep that a secret. 
Me and the Lord working this out in our secret place. And when that anger leave, I'll be back. <laughs> Why? Because your anger will cause you not to sanctify the Lord before people. I'm going to tell you something. It don't make no sense for us believers to be asking for forgiveness to unbelievers. That ought not to be. <laughs> and we ain't got to think it's cute. Well, see how humble I am? I'm asking for forgiveness. But are you humble enough not to be angry and sin not? <laughs> you don't get brownie points for acting a plum fool and then asking for forgiveness afterwards. <laughs> Does everybody see that now? <laughs> Look what it says in verse 12. And the, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. Everybody see that? Now let's, let's think about this for those of us that think we're justified. Let's think about what Pastor Moses had to deal with. For 40 years, he had to deal with a complaining and murmuring people. For 40 years, he was extended. His, his stay in the wilderness was extended because of the unbelief of other people. Moses believed and was righteous enough to go right into the promised land. But because of those people, he could not. I got to stay out here with y'all and suffer. So the whole time they're murmuring. For two weeks, they ate manna. That's all they're supposed to eat, manna. And then when they stayed, God extended because of their unbelief concerning going into the promised land. They wanted God to change their diet. Not realizing you only you could have put up with this for two weeks. You could have put up with it. But because you chose to go now, you want me to go kill some animals and bring bring flesh to your teeth and all of that. I don't want to do that. So what do they do? They complain and they murmur. Oh, so Dr. Moses, Mr. Moses, you brought us from one Pharaoh to unto you. You just brought us out here so you can rule over us. Isn't that something now? Then some of them challenge his position. We'll make ourselves a king. We'll go right on back. We don't want to follow you. Moses go into the mountain to, to, for weeks at a time to hear from God and receive a word from God from the people. Where's Moses at? We don't even know if he's still alive. Let's make us a golden calf. And that calf will lead us back into Egypt. And Moses come down with the word of God for them. And what does he do? He see people dancing naked. He throws down those stones in anger. And I, I, I told, do y'all know what, what Moses, how many of you don't know what Moses made them do with the golden calf? Do, who all don't know what Moses made them do with the golden calf? He made them melted gold and made them drink the gold. <laughs> made them melt it and drink it. There's your golden calf. When it come out on the other end, let's see you put it back together and try to do something with that. 
So for 40 years, they challenged him. And you know, and you think about it, in his mind, he had to be thinking, I didn't, didn't I try to tell you I didn't want to come deal with these people? Who did he smite? Jesus Christ. He understood the revelation of that, trust me. And you know what, brothers and sisters? That's what anger does. The people upset me, but I'm going to hit Jesus Christ with it. This one upset me. How many of you ever had a child, had younger siblings? The child gets spanked, and then they go punching on the younger sibling. <laughs> yeah, that's what anger does. I'm not going to deal with the problem. I'm going to just take it out on everybody else that don't even know the problem. You don't know why I'm so upset. So on top of the 40 years of him dealing with these rebellious people, always having to answer to them about, you know, God's plan, you know, it's, it's something. Y'all got yourselves in this situation. Now y'all want to get upset with me about it? And then I'm the, even I, I told the Lord I, didn't, I wasn't fit for this. I wasn't ready for all this. And then on top of that, right before this, his sister dies, who was like a second mother to him. This is the sister that helped to raise him she dies so you know it's it's all out the door just bet not nobody I got that stick on my shoulder now and God tell him gather the people together speak to the rock in front of their eyes and it'll pour, bring forth water and what did he do he spoke to the people must we fetch you water you rebels and he smote the rock twice with his rod or the same rod that he used to open up the Red Sea the same rod the same rod that he threw on the ground and turned into a snake he took what was sanctified and used it with his anger and I'm sure in a split second thought he was justified because he got results he wanted to serve God his way and that's the way people with anger are I'm going to do it my way. And because I'm getting results, God, he, he got to be pleased with it. I couldn't bring forth water. He's the one that did it. But what, then, what happens in your private time? You know what happened to Moses? He shortened his life. The very thing that he was called to do, he couldn't do it. God told him, because you did not sanctify me in front of these people, now, to some of us, that would seem harsh. Moses put up with these people for 40 years, dealt with their rebellion, all of that, and he had one fit of anger, and God takes all of that from him. Do you all understand? This is God's way of letting us know today, none of your anger is going to get by. Ain't, there ain't none of it justified. There is none of it excused. I will not excuse anger. I will not let you justify you mistreating people or you disobeying me because of how you feel you've been treated. So for me to justify myself in my anger, do you know I have to worship myself? I have to pretend like I ain't never done nothing wrong. 
I have to pretend like I ain't never disappointed anybody. I have to pretend I'm the only good person in this world. And everybody else around me is bad. And here I am, the righteousness of God, and everybody's tempting me, and they trying me. Why do you keep trying me? If you wouldn't try me, it wouldn't be nothing. <laughs> and all of heaven is looking at you saying, who are you? And where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Does everybody understand that now? To put it simple and plain, brothers and sisters, anger is a very, very subtle form of self-worship. Do they understand? Let's think, of it, think about it this way. What does a person have to do to maintain anger? They have to think about themselves and how they've been mistreated and how everybody's done them wrong and how they're such a good person and they're so nice to people. But people take my kindness for weakness and I can't let people get away with that. At some point, I gotta put my foot down because I'm so nice and people just misunderstand me. You, I'm just gonna be quiet. I'm just not gonna say nothing because I'm tired of being misunderstood. I, 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 I. <laughs> it's self-worship. <laughs> That's all it is. It's the devil's slick way of getting you to think too much and about yourself. Does anybody see that now? Y'all got time for one more scripture? All right, let's go to the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians real briefly. You know, the Bible says in the 12th chapter of the book of Numbers that Moses was the meekest man in the world. The meekest man in the world, brothers and sisters. Let's think about that. That's quite a, that's quite a, a, a and, and God said it, not his sister. God said he was the meekest man in the world. But isn't that something? You could be meek and angry. You can be just as sweet as you want to be and still deal with anger. Sometimes people think because they're nice that they're not angry. But where does anger rest? Not on your forehead, not on your shoulder. It rests in your bosom. You're only nice when people are being nice to you. You're only sweet when people are being sweet to you. So you don't have to go, listen, you want to know who you are in real life? Be around some people that's against you all the time. That's the real you. It's easy to be nice to people that, even sinners, love people that love them according to the word of God. So you don't get to say you nice when everything around you is nice. Who are you in opposition? <laughs> That's the real you. It was just resting, resting in your bosom. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? <laughs> All right. Is everybody there the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians? Let's start reading in verse 30. Uh, I'm going to read verse 26 real quick. It says, be ye angry. Well, no, let's back up to verse 25. 
Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one of another. Everybody see that? And then it goes right into, be ye angry and do what? Sin not. So what does verse 25 have to do with verse 26, with what we're talking about today? Wherefore, putting away lying, when that anger, brothers and sisters, is resting in your bosom, you're living a lie. You've suppressed it. That's the reason why it rests there. Because you don't want people to see it all the time. You want them to see who you want to portray yourself to be. But if anger is resting there, it's because you have suppressed it and you, are, you live your life. Your whole ministry is you trying not to get angry. And that's a lie. Listen, uh, brothers and sisters, if you have anger resting in, the bos- in your bosom, I don't, it can come out every 10 years. It's still there. I don't care how long you master suppressing it. It is still there. And so in the middle of all those 10 years that you've managed to suppress it, what is the rest of your life? A lie. Does everybody see that now? Why? Right, because you got to pretend to be happy. Listen, anger and joy, there's no way it's going to be in the same person. No way. No way. You're unhappy because you have to pretend. People has got to pretend they are some unhappy people. And then you get mad at us because you, you lying and, we got to, and you got to lie around us. Well, if, I, if it was just really free, I could be who I am. <laughs> no, you stay down. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? You better keep it resting there. Does everybody understand now? <laughs> Look at what it says. Verse 26. Well, let's read verse 25 again. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Everybody see that? Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon what? In other words, it's not meant to carry stuff over to the next day. Settle it. Because it's something that happens when you go to sleep with anger. The devil comes and sow it to your soul. When I went to sleep that night, my wife was still angry. And she really thought I can go to sleep with this and tonight and wake up with a good, good rest. All I need is a good night's sleep and the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Him going to (laughs) come. It was some kind of ghost. (laughs) Does everybody understand that? And that devil set it up pretty. You know, I'm worshiping God on the way to the store. I'm worshiping God from the store. I'm cooking in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Oh, but the devil said, Sister. (laughs) 
I got six months of court for y'all. <laughs> Let's go down. Look at what it says, verse 27. Neither give what? Place to the devil. What place? That bosom. Don't give that to him. Don't give it to him. Everybody see that now? You know what that means? The devil has to have a place. He can't rent no part of your body without you giving a lease to him. And this is telling us don't give him a lease. You see? Verse 30. Let's go down to verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, that means yelling and evil speaking, be put away from you with all what? Malice. So, with anger comes wrath. And what is wrath? It is anger with action. And with wrath comes malice. And what is malice? It is action with vindictiveness. It is what makes people nasty. Nasty. And that is what anger wants. It don't like to be here. You know why? Because people that are angry, they can't stand for people to not know that they're angry. I'm going to do something to get under your skin the same way when I was in kindergarten, somebody got under my skin. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm grown, but you know what? I can't get over it. <laughs> Everybody see that? You see what it tells us to do? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking do what? Be put away from you. So all these things, they're constantly around people trying to get in. You know they disrespected you, right? Well, I don't know that. Get on away from here. Well, you know, they, you spoke to them and they didn't speak back. They heard you. Well, I don't know that. Maybe their mind was on something else. I got to put that stuff away. I don't want to be a, I don't want to give the devil a spark. Well, you know, you grown and they trying to tell you what to do. Well, so what? The, the Lord followed people wherever they told him to go for healing. Well, you know, you so kind and nice and people always taking advantage of you. So what? The Lord died for people and they still taking advantage. I'm taking advantage of his salvation that he provided. You have to have an answer. For the devil when he surrounds you with all of this. Look at what verse 32 says. And be ye kind one to another. How? Tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath done what no he ain't forgiving me because I ain't never done nothing wrong well mine don't equal up to yours everybody see that now ask yourself this question 
if God treated you the way you treat people, would you still be sitting here today? What if God held on to, I, listen, I, I ain't got to lie. I ain't got to, I ain't got to tell no stories about it. I know there were times God was angry with me. I ain't no doubt. I ain't, does everybody understand that? I know it. But I tell you what, I wouldn't be standing here today if God had held on to it. There ain't nowhere in the world, nowhere in the world. I'd be standing here today if God held on to his anger towards me with all the junk I done done. And I'm almost willing to bet I haven't asked for forgiveness about every single thing I've ever done. But I tell you what, I thank God that he ain't waiting on me to, to remember every single thing I've ever done wrong before he let it go. Some of us, yeah, you asked for forgiveness, yeah, you asked for forgiveness, but what about the rest of it? 20 years later, people don't even remember you. But, but until they remember, they, you know, they got a prayer life. They can pray and ask the Lord, and the Lord can jog their memory, and they can come back and ask for forgiveness about what. <laughs> We're waiting on folks to come and bow down to us who don't even remember, don't even know we exist anymore. They done moved on, got children, got a life out on a yacht somewhere. And you and Paul Dunk Bolivar praying and asking God, Lord, please bring that. <laughs> yeah, because that's heaven's job to make sure people bow down to you. God said, no, I'm not going to help them to remember. You remember my word and just get over it. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? I tell you, we something else, ain't we? <laughs> well, brothers and sisters, let's not hold on to anger. Let's put it away from us. The Bible says, according to the word of God, we greet the Holy Spirit when we hold on to anger. In other words, you know what we do? We slow down what he want to do in our life. You could pray all day long and all night long for the rest of your life. Lord, help me to take on the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> but if you justify it in holding on to anger, that fruit won't grow. You, you make it stagnant. Does everybody see that now? You stop your own spiritual growth when you have anger and you hold on to it. And that's not God's will. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word that you've spoken to us. And Lord, right now we ask that you will forgive us. Let's stand up. Lord, we ask that you will forgive us for holding on to things, Lord. Forgive us for our self-entitlement. Forgive us for the times we've put ourselves on your throne and thought it was our place to hold trespasses against people. And God, right now we come repenting and we turn away from that. 
Thank you, Lord, for letting us live to this moment so that we could hear what you had to say about it, so that we can let go of these things, Lord. Lord, we pray that you will forgive us for all of our nasty attitudes, for the way we've acted, Lord, with the anger in our bosom. Forgive us, Lord, for accepting anger as a part of our personalities, not knowing that it was a trap. Forgive us, Lord, for letting unforgiveness change who you've created us to be. Help us, Lord, to walk in the newness of life so that we can be more like you, Lord. Help us to crucify our flesh, oh God. Help us to not even take note of trespasses. Help us to see people the way you see them, Lord, in purity and in truth. Help us, to Lord, to know that it's not always the other person. Sometimes it's just us and the way we're filtering things. Forgive us, Lord, for every misstep that we've taken, for every miscarriage of justice we've ever tried to carry out, all in the name of malice and revenge. And right now, God, we know that we're damaged. We come placing our souls in your lap. We ask, Lord, that you will fix our hurt, that you will fix our disappointments, oh God. Help us to forgive as your word have called us to do. And we'll give you the glory and honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters. Uh, that's all now. We'll go and be dismissed. We'll go to the back and we'll discuss the things that we've heard today. So right now, you're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.